0: Out into the world with action. Welcome, everybody, to Someone Gets Me. Today's show is called The Effects of Good Lighting on Daily Life. You know, I talk about being a lighthouse all the time and I talk about the importance of light. So I thought nothing better than to find myself one of the lead lighting directors around. I have with us today Rhiannon Rodriguez Betts. Now, I've known her for a while. And boy, is Rhiannon a blast. And she's also one of the most talented lighting directors that there is around. She can build a stage. She can host the hospitality. She can do the lighting for the shows and many other things. So we have a multi-potentialite gifted person. And in her same body, we have a creative genius and somebody who's like technically a geek. If you could have seen what she went through just to set up for this interview you would understand that sometimes that nuance of knowing knowing things with precision combined with creativity makes for a great experience. So Rhiannon's taking time out of her busy day after having worked most of the night last night on a show to be with us today to talk about lighting and life and being gifted and being a multi-potentialite. So Rhiannon, thank you so much for coming on the show today and welcome to Someone Gets Me. Thank you so much for the warm welcome, Diana. I appreciate it. I'm so excited to have you here because I use all these lighting (laughs) reference points all the time and I am like not the expert. I can tell you if the lighting is good or I like it. I know when I've traveled with some musicians, they talk a lot about the lighting for their show and I appreciate it when I'm in the audience as well. And I also know that the nuance and the precision of it is far beyond my understanding. So I have great respect for it. So I have lots of questions for you. <laughs> I love uh, answering questions. But the first one is, how did you get into this whole lighting thing? Like, wh- how, tell us a little bit about how this all got started because I just think it's very fascinating um, as a career anyway, and you've done so many things. What what got you started?
1: Well, when I was like five, I wanted to be a singer or an actress. I wanted to be Michael Jack- Jackson or Madonna, you know, as everyone my age, I think probably did when they were five. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and so, so I kept pursuing that, you know, I was in choir and theater. And while I was in theater, we had to take production classes in high school.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I discovered that running sound came with way... A lot, of, a lot of very high tension. And I wasn't really into that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I started lighting plays and doing different concerts. And the Navy band came to play at my theater. It was in Twin Falls, Idaho. And, and the spotlight operator went ill or didn't show up. Or something, and my boyfriend uh, at the time brought me dinner, and I was like, "Hey, guess what? I would love for you to take care of for me." And so, <laughs> so I taught him how to run a spotlight in about twenty minutes, and then when the band went to play, usually there's a orchestra shell behind the band, a band shell, right? <laughs> and then uh, more often than not, they'd close the curtains behind it, so it'd be a black backdrop. So this particular time. Someone failed to do that. So the psych was open. And I was like, well, I can't waste this opportunity. I better make the psych look different colors for the Navy band. And so I just started improvisingly playing lights with the band. And nobody came and said not to do that. And uh, off I ran with that. And afterward, they came up and were like, Oh my God, that was the most amazing experience like you guys treated us like such professionals and that was the greatest feeling show like we don't know what you did but that was so great and like usually the spotlight operators have had 10 minutes of training and they have no idea what they're doing and I was like all right well I updated it by 10 minutes so obviously you know I'm doing double the effort of most folks around the world country or world I mean I suppose they go around the world and then uh, you know, a few months went by, and the school got a letter from Bill Clinton thanking us for taking such very good care of his band. I thought to myself, "Well, if the president uh, is appeased by my my activities, I should probably keep this up." So, uh, so I did. That's how I got started.
0: Oh, that is a great story. I love it. And, and that's that. That's that part of being technical and then took the opportunity to let the creativity show up within the technical part. And it created something magical that that people probably still remember to this day, you know? Yeah, that's really, really fun. So what has been your biggest lesson that you've learned over all these years and all these concerts and all these venues and all of this work, when you look over your career and you look over your experience as a director in lighting, what's one of your biggest lessons that you've learned
1: I to keep calm you know like there's always there's always a catastrophe at hand in the entertainment industry and also one of my favorite sayings is that uh, why work in the entertainment industry if it isn't entertaining like if you don't find it to be entertaining then you should probably go find something else to do you know it's there's a whole lot of A whole lot of uh, opportunity to be downtrodden or upset, and I just try to, anytime those sorts of things are happening, be like, you know, let's let's find something else to do with our time besides be upset, and and let's let's find an entertainment in in whatever it is that we're doing, you know, if if we're sitting around waiting for something to happen for several hours, or you know, or if there's you know the most memorable. Um, moment for me. Um, I was like, whenever anybody asked me like, what's your favorite show that you've ever seen? Because that's a favorite question that a lot of folks ask. Right. My favorite show that I have ever seen was uh, Tony Bennett. And it had nothing to do with Tony Bennett. He was amazing. It was a fabulous show. But the reason that it was so amazing to me was because Sharon Jones, who had just played, uh, was standing next to me. And she was, like, so excited that she grabbed hold of my shirt. I was wearing a T-shirt, of course. And she was just, like, jumping up and down, yanking my shirt around. Like, do you see that Tony Bennett is right there? And he's just killing it. I'm like, yeah. And I have seen you several times killing it way more than this Tony Bennett guy. He's not, <laughs> he doesn't dance like James Brown, you know? Like, and she was just so excited. And so entertained, probably to keep calm, but to be entertained. I
0: appreciate all the entertainment and everything along with it, right? So you have to be a really good problem solver in what you do. Because I imagine there's all kinds of things that, that can happen. And even during the show, before the show, setting up for the show, during the show, like anything can happen. Have you ever been in a situation where like the power went out? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, the most memorable time that the power went out, the lights quit working um, for the Doobie Brothers. It was uh, September 6th, uh, eight years ago. So, whatever that math is, uh, I just turned 30. All the lights had gone down, they were LED lights. I went around to the backstage and I saw a rigger coming out from underneath the stage. So, I thought that he had perhaps knocked out. Edison plug that powered the LEDs. So I went to um, make sure they were firmly plugged in and did not realize that um, the pass-throughs on the dimmer, which is a big electrical connection to go to another box, um, was not blocked. And the middle leg, black leg of the 4-0 of the, uh, grabbed a hold of my middle finger and shocked me. And uh, I didn't die or anything. <laughs> I ran that's around the front of the stage. And, uh, and the LD uh, was like, uh, this is the weirdest thing. The light board just reset itself. And I was like, oh, yeah. That's probably just because I shocked myself. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I reset the light board. And, uh, and uh, you know, well, it had reset itself. So when it came back on, uh, you know, nothing, nothing just magically came on. So I put down all the faders and put them all back up and all the lights came back on. And I was like, there you go, Dave, I've fixed the lights. And then meandered off and had a good friend of mine come over and be like, ann, you, you look a little funny. All right. No, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Then he started asking me what two plus two was. And I was like, "Uh Oh, this doesn't sound good. <laughs> but, uh,
0: it it turned out pretty alright that's really really fun i love that story <laughs> i know you probably have a thousand of stories but i also want to talk about like good really good lighting like you know it's it's funny because i have a great appreciation for really good lighting but if you were to ask me in any any moment like how it got like that like how that turned out that beautiful or that way I would not be able to answer that question because I don't have the technical knowledge that you do. What I'd like you to speak to a little bit, and maybe you even have a story or two that might even illustrate it, is I'll bet when you're in the audience, you notice if the lighting's really good or not, right? And mm-hmm. you know how to make the artist or the, the, the feel of whatever the event is come alive for the people using light, which is not easy to do. So will you speak a little bit to the value of that in a show or in life in general, the value of good lighting and how come you pay attention with the precision that you do to have really good skill and knowledge and good lighting for the shows you do?
1: I feel like like what I do is akin to playing an instrument, right? And so but except kind of a lot of instruments at once. So maybe sort of like a DJ, like jazz for me. Like I, I often don't get a whole lot of planning. Uh, You know, I get a sound check. So I get to know what it is that we're doing more or less. And then, uh, and then the show. So, um, so I inevitably, like I do a whole lot of focusing. I go in and take uh, a lot of attention to, how the lights are pointed at everybody and make sure that there's not shadows where they're going to likely hang out. And if, uh, if they're going to, you know, like bass players, for example, often, uh, figure out where there is no light on stage and go and solo there. And that makes my brain get really upset. (laughs) So I try to make sure that there's no absolute dark spots so that I can be able to, uh, light things up, uh, anywhere that I need to. And, um, prior to the invention of having moving lights all over the entire, uh, rig, that was a lot trickier. Right. So, um, yeah, so I I put a, a lot of attention on making sure that I've got, uh, as much light as possible from, you know, Multiple directions so that everything can be as even as possible, and um, and sometimes that's not how it works at all. You know, sometimes, sometimes like oh man, I am gonna forget his name, and I'm gonna blame the shocking uh, at the Doobie Brothers for it. But um, <laughs> there's um, there's this amazing artist um, who. Uh, um, would come in and he would have me um, put a lamp on one side and make sure that half of his face was lit. He was like really, really concerned with making sure that, that like half of his face was in shadow and half of it was lit. And so I would spend hours making sure that whatever, however it was that he wanted it, that he was happy with it. And I would take a picture for him and show him how it was looking. You know, like I, I, I want, to make sure that whatever it is that the artist wants, they get, you know, like I, I remember once for M Ward, he didn't want any front light. And like the audience got upset that they couldn't see the stage. I'm like, Oh, M Ward? Let's me know. that <laughs> He's changed his mind on this stance. <laughs> We're going to be blacklighting him, you know? And um, sometimes I get a little sassy about that. Like rappers will, will, will be like, black out the lights, black out the lights all right. So I shut them off. And they'll be like, rapping, rapping, rapping. And they'll be like, well, turn the lights back on. I'm like, well, all right. I mean, if you're going to orchestrate the situation from the stage, like I, I try to make sure that we discuss these things beforehand. So right. um, if if from stage, people start uh, improbably directing me, then I expect them to keep it up. Um, I have a really great friend that, uh, that really enjoys uh, doing that. And, and he'll, he, he has made me do all sorts of creative things that I never would have thought of doing um, where he's like, and I want some lightning right now and I'll make it happen, you know? And so, yeah. So basically just paying attention to what it is that people want and um, <laughs> trying to make sure to give it to them.
0: I love it. So, do you use your intuition? Yes,
1: yes, very much so. Like often i I've done a whole lot of of folk singers um and and so I would listen to the story and listen to the chords and hear the tuning change and say, "Okay, I think we're gonna get happy with this next song." Oh, no, I feel like we're gonna probably gonna get a little melancholy here. So I do a whole lot of trying to anticipate what it, where it is that we're going um, so that I can um,
0: complement wherever we're going. So you can use the lighting to match the mood. Yeah. Which is how we use it in our, our light, you know, in our life. Like, you know, if I want it to be softer or lighter or happier or up or color is really amazing, right? Yeah. And so I think it's really really special so what do you do for fun like we know that you love your work and that you're really this creative creative person who's also a geek who's also gifted who's got all these things going on and we all got to do stuff that kind of helps us be free a little bit from all the stress of what we do even though you're finding entertainment in the entertainment industry what do you do for fun
1: during the apocalypse is what I've been calling it. Um, during the COVID crisis, I have um, taken up uh, a hobby that my husband has had for his whole life, but I, I picked it up throwing axes. So yeah. So I, I throw axes. I go uh, on walks. I like, I, I really enjoy a good visit with friends. You know, I, I can't, I can't speak enough to, uh, you know, to hang out with friends and, And, you know, when you work in the entertainment industry, like people are like, oh, why don't you go to a show? I'm like, no, that sounds like going to work. Like, there's definitely been times where I was, you know, at a show and accidentally started taking apart somebody's drum kit because it was sitting next to me for too long. (laughs) And they came up and were like, hi, cute girl in a dress. What are you doing? Like, "Uh, sorry, here's your symbols. in your symbol bag now. I didn't. I. I don't know. I was just reflexively, accidentally touching your stuff. My bad. <laughs> I'm gonna go back over to the audience side and not touch strangers' things. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose I do enjoy a show from time to time. But it just, it just, when you're always in that sort of environment and being like inundated by so many people and so much emotions and so much movement. Being calm is like, like nothing else. And I suppose that I find that in throwing axes. You know, like it's, it's a focused activity that I, um, you know, like when we go to tournaments, it's not very calm. But in my backyard, it's very, very calm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I and it and I get pretty zen back there. So yeah. So those those oh and I also for the apocalypse took up. Uh, sing happy birthday to everybody I know. So I often get on the piano that's right behind me and sing happy birthday for everybody.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, you know because people don't sing happy birthday that much anymore. They'll say it or they'll put the little Facebook stuff up, but you hardly ever like hear the song very much unless right. you're having like a big party. So that's beautiful. Yeah, that's a cool little gift. I like it. Right. I know that's like so fun. So I always tell everybody that um, our gifts turned up too loud is what creates overwhelm and getting burned out. You know, like you can take something that's really amazing about ourselves and we can turn them up so loud and do them so much and get so amped up that it actually works against us. And, and I'm wondering how that is in your industry. I I imagine that it's possible to have like too much stuff going on with all the lights and everything.
1: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) For sure. Um, You know, when I was in, in geometry in like, I don't know, grade, I was in seventh grade or whatever it was. uh, The geometry teacher said to kiss, you know, keep it simple, stupid. And I was like, Oh my, I got to keep a hold of that and um every time every time throughout my career that i've tried to get like a little too out of hand you know it comes back and reminds me that like keeping it simple makes it so much easier to read you know like keeping a simple theme that you you know have in the verse that you change just a little bit for the chorus and then you go back to whatever it is that you started with at the verse. You know, maybe maybe you can, you know, do a bit of variation. But if you start getting real out of hand and it doesn't match what's happening, then then it it's discording and, you know, disassociating and it and it makes makes the music not make sense anymore because the lights don't
0: make sense to what's happening anymore. Because it likes to really play much more into the experience, I think, than a lot of people realize. And unless yeah, you step right. back a little bit or you, you have the understanding and awareness. Now you work with all these very eccentric and often kind of demanding and maybe people who aren't necessarily in that moment the kindest ever, or maybe they're overly whatever they're doing. All these different personalities. We're going to put it that way. Right. And uh and your job is to direct, like the essence of their show, like they're going to play their music and do their craft. But if the lighting is terrible, then people are going to walk away understanding that, you know, they're going to have that in their memory about that artist. And so I'm sure you've dealt with some really wild kinds of personalities, requests and ways of handling it. So how do you handle the challenging, difficult artists that you had to deal with over the years? How do you handle all of that?
1: Um, I mean, to be fair, I think, you know, and it it's definitely been a place of growth, um, as, as I've gone on, uh-huh. um, uh, there's definitely, uh, I remember once while I was on tour having, having some feedback where they were like, every day the lights look different. Like we could have just gone with house people. I'm like, well, every day. I get a whole new rig and all I'm carrying is a light board. And sometimes I'm not doing that. I'm like doing video every day. Like that's about it. And like that changes and, you know, I, I couldn't explain it at the time, but I felt like saying like, see who's the drummer. I felt like being like, well, how about we give you some wood and you construct a drum kit and get that going by the end of the show, you know, by the end of soundcheck. And you have the same show every every day with starting from scratch, you know. And also, like, on that same tour, um, one of the people, uh, you know, wanted to do yoga all the time and wanted to go to Starbucks no matter how late we were to a gig. And so I accommodated that. and we did yoga whenever he wanted all the time and I love him for it. And, you know, uh, pretty much every time I do yoga, I think a little bit about him and, um, and, you know, I, I love and adore him for it. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of those kinds of kinds of things are just opportunities to, grow and figure out how to communicate with your fellow person you know that's cool to listen to what it is that they're saying and hopefully not react poorly (laughs)
0: right and go with it to a certain extent as long as it's something that's doable that goes with what you're doing if they're asking you to do something that's unrealistic communicate it clearly that kind of thing you know yeah and And sometimes those kind of wild personalities are entertaining. And when, you know, from the very beginning of the show, when you said that, it's like with that kind of mindset, it gives you a lot more flexibility, right? Where you're not like, you know, and that makes it so that you're having more fun. And right, then right. therefore, everything goes smoother behind the scenes, which makes it a really amazing experience for everybody. Because I'm sure you get jazzed up when the show's done and it like rocked it, right? And everything, oh, yeah and the audience was into it and the lighting was perfect and nothing went out and everything was good. It's yeah. an adrenaline rush, I imagine. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean like the first, the first real big show that I got to do coming back um, where I was running the lights was go, go Bordello. And I love their energy. is mm-hmm. always, always off the charts. And, um, and you Know, I, I had a, a little mosh pit for one at the light board. Um, and uh, and you know, so much so that a friend of mine that I invited to hang out with me at Friend of House like started videotaping. <laughs> She's like, Oh my gosh, this is what you do back here! I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, not always, not everybody makes inspires me to have a mosh pit for one, but uh, you know, go go Bordello does, and and um, yeah, when I got finished with that, I was I was high. Like I, you know, I had to I had to take my pants off. Like I have I have shorts underneath my pants. And like two minutes in, I realized that my C wrench and all of my stuff that's in my work pants were gonna interfere with this mosh bit. And I had to I had to get him out of there, get them off. So I took them off and then afterward I was talking to the front of house guy and I was like, Oh man, that was so good. I had to take my pants off. And he was like, our old front of house guy. Our old lighting guy, he used to just play in his underwear. And I was like, well, if you ever need me to go follow around the world with you and do lights in my underwear,
0: I'd be happy to work that out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I love that. That is hysterical. That Is really, really fun. So what is the most memorable food you've ever eaten on all of these trips and tours and life you've had all around the world and stuff? And everywhere you've been, there's always that memorable food that stands out. And so what is the most memorable food that you have eaten?
1: I don't know. I've had some really, really amazing sushi on tour. That is definitely one of my favorites to go get sushi and spend as much Money as humanly possible in sushi. So,
0: where's That's your favorite? Where's your favorite sushi place? The um, place
1: that pops
0: in your head that you go, oh, that sushi's great. Yeah, uh, let's see. There was a
1: really, really great one um, in Toronto, um, just down the street from the venue, that had like like a whole like ten course meal that was affordable of sushi. That just kept coming and showing up and showing up, and I was like, I don't understand, uh, but I am thrilled that you guys just keep bringing me sushi that I don't, I don't recall actually asking for. (laughs) And like, they just, it just kept showing up, and, and that was,
0: that was really great. Sweet. Oh, I love it. I love sushi too. I've had a lot of people, I asked that question on and off to people who I know have been on tour and been around, you know, lots of different places. And several people have said sushi in different areas and different places in different ways that, that still that, you know, that they remember that, that taste and everything. Yeah. So I have another question a little bit, that's a little bit on the personal side, but it kind of goes with all of this because I'm really curious. I, I teach everybody about being, a lighthouse and shining their light from the inside out and letting themselves like show up in the world with their own spiritual integrity, their own authority and quit playing small. And I'm getting goosebumps now. And as when I think about you and the work you do and just how I just really love your presence, like every time I've ever interacted with you, I'm like, Oh, I always, I'm always done interacting with you when I have smiling. And so, if you were going to light somebody from that, we want them to be showing from the inside out like that. We want them to be like the lighthouse. So, the light doesn't necessarily appear that it's lights because we want it to go from the inside out so that the audience sees that person's brilliance. Right? Is that something that is possible? with external lights or does the person have to just really be so in their own alignment and just so projecting it out there that the lights are just like a secondary kind of thing? Or how does that, how does that work? I don't even know if I'm making sense in the question, but I'm trying to like, because I've traveled with people and I've been on tour with musicians and, and I've noticed that some of the external lighting kind of matches that person just bringing in the, bring in the game this all out here they are and they're putting all everything on the table and it kind of goes. And other times it's like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Like I like it. It's great. But then I was wondering, what if somebody's like really good or maybe they're okay, but we want to make them look better or whatever. Is there a way to do that or th- do they really need to bring it in? The light is more of a compliment.
1: Uh, no, I think, I think, uh, I think the the light could probably, you know, pull that off. You know, I think depending on what colors you're using with their skin tones and the front and what kinds of, like, if you're side lighting, uh, uh, like a lot of soft side lighting is really helpful. Uplighting usually not really gonna kick it off, you know, like it's okay. good for a second and, and for a lot of impact, but, um, but you know, to have it, hanging out there, it makes our brains super confused. So, you know, so, um, so the direction is, is really helpful. Okay. Okay. And, um, and, and the color quality. So like, uh, you know, um, a lot of warm on the skin is usually pretty good. Um, um, cooler tends to, um, make us think that maybe they're sick kind of washes um, them out a little bit like,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Okay. All exactly. right. All right. Green. If like, if there's like a green hue in, in the front lighting, then they're, they're definitely going to look sick. Yeah.
0: So, well you'll uh, turn green when
1: you're seasick. Exactly. Exactly. So if you see that, uh, you know, you're going to be like, Oh, what, are they going to throw up? Like what's, what's happening here? You know? Um, and, uh, you know, um, but, like, uh, I think I think the backlighting has has a lot of um, a lot of uh, impact on stage because it's, you know, what we typically use um, for the color, right, to like match um, the mood and and all of that and and that's more often than not where all the lights are, right? So like, um, Buzo. Whose band's name just disappeared from my head. Also, I have memory problems. I don't know. Anyway, um, Bazo has this amazing head of hair, uh, plays in a metal band of some kind. All of his fans, I'm sure, are going to, uh, you know, in the comments, uh, shred me for not remembering who they are. Uh, maybe my husband will be really nice to come in and be like, maybe you can remember who this band is. But anyway, the point is, Like he has this amazing head of hair. And so, uh, I always enjoyed immensely being able to light his, him from the back and being able to see his hair, like a halo, uh, changing colors with, with my lights. So, um, you know, if you're conveniently have an Afro about, you know, three feet tall, uh, that can look pretty rad, um, like a halo, like Christ-like and stuff like that,
0: you know. Oh, that that's really really cool. So, if somebody's listening to you right now, and they're thinking, you know, I always been curious about all this entertainment industry and lighting, and and or just the entertainment industry in general, and they were thinking, you know, maybe I want to work in that industry or get involved in it somehow, and they're kind of toying around with the idea. And they want to put their toe in the water. Do you have any advice for those people like for the for the people who are interested and maybe maybe they were doing something else and want to start doing that now or or whatever? Like what would you tell the newbie?
1: Yeah, I tell them, go give it a shot. Don't get hurt. This is a very dangerous activity. Keep your hands inside of the the vehicle at all times. Wear your helmet, you know, wear, put your gloves on. Uh, pay attention um you know we get smashed and bashed a lot setting stuff up there's a lot of moving parts a lot of people not paying attention there's a lot of newbies i have no idea that this thing on wheels as we're setting up is going to smash into people's ankles or run people's toes over so you know get some steel toes um um be mindful of when people are telling you that you need to be wearing personal protective equipment you know um and and give it a shot you know uh there's the international alliance of theatrical and stage employees all over the united states and canada and uh uh you know go to the local nearby you and see if they are uh, accepting applications and give them a shot and uh you know if if not there there's lots of uh there's lots of uh opportunities all over the world as well to uh to go give it a try you know um you could, you know, probably look up staging go on to Google and find, you know, all kinds of different uh, companies that are, you know, supplying stage crew, and uh, and you can go give it a try. And you know, if you if you're pretty good at paying attention, you'll probably, you know, make it as long as you want to.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Pay attention. You know, like I, I think of it all the time when you teach people racing boats and everything, pay attention to what you're affecting. And when you were talking about the lighty thing, moving on wheels or running over people, I'm like, pay attention to what you're affecting Like in all the cases in all of life. And and that when you were just speaking, that's what I was thinking about. Like, you know, yes, go, go for it. Go after it. Put your foot in the water. Go try it out. Absolutely. And pay attention. Listen, you know, heads up you know, because yeah. it's, it's necessary. It's not, it's not easy and all as glamorous as people might think it is. It's very hard work and it's great and it's exciting and it's entertaining and it's hard work, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I know how hard it is and yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's not, there's nothing easy about it. And you're having to think somebody like you is directing things as, People, you have to help coordinate, and then you're directing things, and you're creating things, and you have to pay attention to all of this, the technical pieces of this as well, all at the same time. And yeah. if you're not paying attention, it's not going to be pretty.
1: No, yeah. I mean, a lot of times I I explain to people that my job is that I move heavy things for a living. Yes. You know? and and for the most part you know we take little boxes and put them inside of bigger boxes and put those inside of bigger boxes until it's into a truck you know that's towing a box and that moves around to a a, you know a stage which is a box and we empty all those boxes out and we put them back in and we (laughs) send it on its next adventure and so you know it's just a big cycle of of um setting things up and tearing them down and you know even in our uh other um uh, entertainment industry, uh, realms, you know, if you're, if you're in film or TV, um, you know, likewise, you're setting up something that you're going to tear back down and you might reuse those pieces. Um, you know, so it's just a whole lot of moving around heavy stuff. Um, and, um, that's definitely the less glamorous part. Okay. But, yes. um, when I, when I decided when I was in uh, high school that I should pursue this, it wasn't just the letter from Bill Clinton. That was definitely, definitely a huge sinker. But um, <laughs> I was like, this has a physical element, a mental element, emotional element. Like this has like all of the parts that I feel like I'll be able to, to feel fulfilled in my life. And,
0: uh, and so far so good. Right. And it's got the spiritual intuition element too. that, that, yeah. you know, you appreciate now that you probably didn't even think about back then, but it it covers all your major life areas and where you can have a sense of fulfillment and challenge in them, which all gifted people need a sense of challenge. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Now changing a little bit here. I want to talk about your belief in serving your community and serving other people because you're a service oriented leader. You pay attention to giving back. It's very important to you. And, and I've heard I hear a lot of judgment on the street. You know, people in the entertainment industry don't really care about other people. That's not my experience. I know lots of people in the entertainment industry, and I've yet to run into. I know they. I know they're out there. They're just not in my world yet, right? So okay. share, share a little bit about your belief in the importance of giving back to your community, and and some of the things that are just important to so people understand where your heart is a little more.
1: All right. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I try to figure out whatever way it is that I can to help out other people and, um, and take that action. Like, so, um, one of the first ways that I started doing that, um, uh, (laughs) was, um, like I was, I was noticing all the people, um, Uh, that would be asking for spare change right on the, on the highway. And, um, and I would have, um, I'd get, uh, um, you know, for my dentist, I would get like the toothbrushes and toothpaste and stuff like that. And, and I'd have it in the car. So I'd be like, Oh, Hey, would you like this? And um, I've, I've had one person turn that down. Uh, and I, I mean, like even, I remember one time somebody being like, I don't have teeth. I'm like, right. But would your gums like to be brushed? And he was like, you know what? That's a really good idea. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, so I, 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 I I like to take it from wherever I can. Um, also like during the, uh, the apocalypse, um, during the COVID crisis, Um, you know, I had all of these stagehands, um, asking what to do about unemployment. And, um, I'd gone through unemployment for myself, for my husband and for my kid. I'd like gone through and gathered all of our stuff together and I made an Excel sheet. And so, um, so then I just made a blank one so that I could spread it around to the other folks that needed that information. And, um, and then I ended up, Uh, on the Oregon employment department's um, paid family medical leave insurance benefit work group um, and advised them as to how uh, they could have paid, um, you know, pay out those benefits in beneficial ways, hopefully for um, all workers with, you know, my particular work set um, being a really big outlier, they were like, Oh, wow. You mean people can have multiple jobs? Like W-2 and 1099? Like, yeah, not only can they do that, they can have like more than three because three was like their like big number. They were like three is a multiple worker. I was like, Oh man, I have 15 W-2s and 1099s at the end of the year every year. What are you talking about? Three. And then I was talking to another really good friend of mine, and she was like, "I got 90. And I was like, "Oh my gosh." So you know, I just took my experiences um, and my coworkers' experiences and shared them with the employment department, hoping that when they pull it off doing um, family leave insurance, that it's equitable and uh, fabulous. So um, so I did things like that. I also ran for, um, president of my local, the international and the theatrical stage employees, local 28. And, um, you know, because, uh, it was needed and, and I stepped up and, um, I feel like I did a pretty all right job <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and did a whole lot of, of, uh, created a good and welfare committee. Um, uh, we talked about good and welfare a lot um at the end of the meeting, which is uh, you know Robert's rules is you know mm-hmm. it's format, right but um we decided that we needed a committee to actually address those things and make sure that when people pass away that we have a group of people that aren't just the executive board looking towards how we can make sure that uh, you know that they're celebrated and that if people are sick that they're uh, you know got as, have as many resources as we can find. So I have a, a, a resource um, uh, page that I have on a Google Doc that I share with all kinds of folks, financial resource and emotional resources that are um, industry-based so that they can,
0: uh, you know, find whatever tools they need that they
1: might need help with. Oh, that's
0: great. And that's a, a really powerful way to be of service without waiting for someone else to tell you how to do it or to go join a thing necessarily like yes, those kinds of Google Docs with here these are the resources. If somebody's motivated for them or they need them and you share the link with them or tell them about it, then they can do with it whatever you know take action on it in whatever way serves them the best. And that that's a really good example of taking that that heart of yours that wants to just serve and do the right thing and doing something tangible that's meaningful. Without it being like over the top, I think some people rule themselves out from serving other people because they think it's like another job or another big thing they have to add or it's just too much and we're already already spent and so many people are afraid. There's all these emotions these days that, that overwhelm, I think, stop somebody. So I think that's a really good idea that people can grab a hold of listening to you. Like, you know, open up a, a spreadsheet and just start putting down the things, you know, because somebody out there in the world doesn't know it yet. And they would value that information because I'll bet you've had people who you share that with and you're thinking, well, I just researched it and found it. But they, they can't or won't or can't find it in the same way. And it's just so relieving to have everything in one place for them. That's really good. That's a really nice thing that you do that I think is very service oriented. So is there anything else, anything that you wanted to share in the show that I didn't ask you about? I have one final question, but I always like to make sure that my guests feel totally happy and satisfied with our little conversation. So is there anything that I didn't talk about that you would like to share about? If so, let me know. If not, that's okay, too. You don't. I'm not, it's not a requirement. I just want to make sure that when we're done, you feel complete.
1: Yeah, I feel like this has been a pretty amazing catharsis. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sure. Yeah. Most people say I ask questions they've never been asked before and certainly not in the way they're used to. So they're like, oh, OK, Um, I say well, that's the gift of intuition for you. So the last question then is this. If we were going to put a billboard up that the whole world would see with Rhiannon's quote on it to inspire the world, what would your quote be for that billboard? Mm. The time is now. Ah, beautiful. The time is now. I love it. I love it. Look at that. It's perfect. Perfect. All right. So, everybody, you've been listening to and Rodriguez-Beth's cool lighting expert director, neat service person, great sense of humor. She's a really person, cool person. So all her links or bios in the sh- in the show notes, and you can follow her on social media and let her know you heard her here. So thank you, Rihanna, for being on the show. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy time to spend time having this conversation. I feel so enlightened. I feel I just I feel. Like I know something more than I didn't before. And I've always appreciated lighting. And now I appreciate it with a different depth. Thanks to you um, sharing so authentically. So thank you so much. You're absolutely welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, It's been great. So remember, everybody, keep your face to the sun, to the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star. You're here on purpose with a purpose. So go out there and let your light shine. And until the next episode of Someone Gets Me, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.